Welcome to We Are the Revelers, hosted by Randy and Misty Bradley. We Are the Revelers is a podcast for creative souls longing to revel in all life's messy glory. We know what it's like to crave time and space to create meaningful, mind-blowing work while becoming the amazing partners and parents we hope to be. Yet we often find ourselves steeped in the mundane. So we're on a mission to romance the ordinary and revel in all the bits of glorious lining the insides of our lives. We're betting there are a lot of you out there just like us. Join the party. We are the Revelers. Welcome back to We Are The Revelers. This is episode 61. Why do you always look at me like that? Because you always say something about 61. Well, I can repeat it like I usually do. (laughs) 61. (laughs) And we are here with Megan Jerome. And Megan makes thoughtful things to delight kiddos. And that, you know, delights the parents. As Megan says, she's been to school for art, sculpture, and photography, and digital things. Been in the chaotic world of branding and graphic design and marketing and to the impressionable school of life. She's tried her hand at many things, but has always kept art in the mix. And that pile of experience has manifested into Megan's company called Wanna Play. They make a wonderful character building brand called Silly Street and another fabulous game called Animal Act, among other things. Megan also still flexes her creative muscle as a creative director for brands and for the creation of several children's books that are all at various stages of completion. She has found a way to piece together a life that gives her the opportunities to chase her creative wins and dreams while parenting two young guys of her own with her creative director husband, David. And we both have that creative director husband in common, but you are also a creative director. (laughs) Yes, lots of creative directors all around. (laughs) There's lots of creativity here. Welcome to the show, Megan. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, We are so excited to have you. Uh, Let me just tell our listeners that this is my second conversation with you, Megan. We kind of became friends a little bit on Instagram, uh, connected on there. And then we got on Skype, I guess maybe a month or so ago now. Mm -hmm. And you were Skyping in from the set of a commercial with Tom's shoes, right? Yes. Yep. (laughs) It was a photo shoot. Photo shoot. Okay. Well, she's doing really cool stuff with really cool brands. So Megan, your game impressed me just seeing what you guys had created and then connecting with you and seeing your heart behind it and hearing about all of your creativity and your life. I was like, we have got to get you on the show. And then you sent us the games. You sent us Silly Street and Animal Act. And we have had so much fun with them, with our kids. Oh, good. I'm so happy. Yeah. That's great. Even driving down the street today, Zeph said, Mom, remember when we were playing that game last night and we were all humming to see who could hum the longest? And then when you, you, you won, but when you quit, you like snorted because you breathed so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, I remember that. <laughs> it's all about the inside jokes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and that was Silly Street. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk some more about the games in a minute. So let's let our listeners get to know you, Megan. Tell us how you saw yourself living out your creative dreams. I have always been creative throughout my entire life. My parents are both super creative, although my dad was is a pediatric dentist, so not necessarily like a super creative career, although one might argue that watching him work. <laughs> and my mom was always 
making things and making crafts and doing, uh, she was our Girl Scout leader throughout childhood. And we were always just making things and doing things. And the other part of that is we were also kind of adventurous as a family. So I went camping when I was two months old and then continued to do that throughout my entire life. And the adventure part of youth was so impressionable in terms of just the idea of being curious and turning over a stone and exploring. So yeah, and that led to down the line, uh, exploring an art career. I went to school for photography and sculpture, but I kind of try to just fit everything in. I've done everything, you know, I've like done ceramics and I did jewelry for a while and I did all these things and I was in theater and did set design and that kind of thing. And like, I've always gotten my hands dirty and everything, like everything I do. And so that's sort of like a, a running theme throughout life, just rolling up the sleeves and, and getting dirty and, and making stuff. <laughs> so you started out as this very hands-on photographer, you know, sculptor, and then you ended up as a creative director. How did that happen? That was one of those life pivot crossroads moments. So basically I left college kind of wanting to get into photography and I ended up being a photo assistant for a photographer that worked for Leo Burnett Advertising Agency. And that sort of led to a kind of accidental career in advertising. I had no idea how to turn on a computer when I first started working there, but eventually just sort of picked things up along the way and learned by doing, quite frankly, and eventually ended up, I mean, I had every single job and that company from like the very bottom of the totem pole all the way up into the creative department. But working in all of those positions kind of gave me a great perspective on the next position, you know? Mm. So I, yeah, I started out in the studio, started out cutting boards and back when people actually made physical presentations, it was a while ago. Yeah. And then worked my way up to junior art director and, and on from there. So so what all agencies have you worked at? Uh, I have worked at Leo Burnett and Crispin Porter and Bogusky and Deutsch and a shy day. Those are the, yeah, the big main ones. I freelanced around a little bit too. But. And for the rest of our audience who are not as attuned to the advertising world as myself and obviously you, <laughs> those are the big names. Those aren't just like some <laughs> little shop in you know, Burbank or something. That's like the big shops. These are the, <laughs> the huge shops that are in New York and Los Angeles and Chicago and big places all over the world. So you obviously must be doing something right. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I think for advertising for me, I always managed to find a girl group, which is highly unusual because up until somewhat recently, it was like all men all the time. But that has sort of like, that sort of like jumped me from place to place. You know, I've always found really amazing female creative director bosses and and coworkers and partners as well. So yeah, it was a fun ride. And I enjoyed it, you know, and learned something from each one of those positions along the way. And so did you meet your husband inside of that period of your life? Or <laughs> no, actually, we met in college. We have just hit our 20 years mark, <laughs> um, not too long ago. So it, we were both art students and he was sculpture and graphic design and I was sculpture and photography. And so all the art classes in, in college were kind of like two periods long and everybody would leave halfway through the class then and go and sit on the quad and smoke cigarettes or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was college. And so he, <laughs> I was kind of shy at that time. And he knew that I was really into glass blowing. 
And so he would bring glass blowing books and just sort of like hang out with glass blowing books, like <laughs> me on the stoop of the art building until, you know, I finally like would talk to him about it. <laughs> so, yeah. So we've been together for a while, but coincidentally, weirdly, we have always sort of worked at m- most of the same advertising agencies at the same time. So we've had a very parallel career. Although like, I mean, like kind of like I said before, like I have concentrated mostly on very women focused brands, whereas he has been like the male 25 to 35 sort of brands. Interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. That especially that you worked together in that you know, the situations, what was that like? We sort of kind of shot for that whenever we'd move around because it just made life really easy and we were never ever pit against each other or, you know, we would just kind of work alongside each other, but it was nice to know that, you know, your partner's right there. Like we actually sat in offices next to each other at our last job. So it's always been sort of just a nice to have, you know what I mean? Like it's nice to have them there. I can like go vent if I need to or whatever, or like tell them to pick up the kids because I'm running late. (laughs) So it was hugely convenient. (laughs) Right. We love to work. I mean, we obviously don't work in the advertising agency together, but we've always enjoyed working together. We did have our own branding agency for a while and we prefer, I think we, we prefer working together. Sure. I enjoy working with you. Yeah, I think my husband would have the exact same response to that. Like, we have, we we actually have like done, you know, we've done a couple of projects together, and like sometimes it's totally awesome, and sometimes we would not like bite bite each other's heads off. So it it happens; it's natural. I love rubbing up against you. You know, when we're working together, (laughs) sometimes it can be a little hard to work with you. The difference for us is we love working on projects that are other people's where where you don't like working on your project on my project because I tend to be very much the creative director, which is his normal job. And so when he's creating something for me, like like we just spent all summer building out a website for me with a secret portal, which was like a second website in it. So yeah, he's not probably feeling it right now as much. (laughs) (laughs) But it was really nice to be next to you. (laughs) (laughs) We've also been together 20 years. (laughs) Have you really? Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. And how, let me, let's pause for a second. How did you, how did you meet? We met in college. Yeah. You did. Yeah. I was in uh, journalism broadcasting and he was across the way over in art school with graphic design was actually his major. And then we met at a Christian fellowship on a campus. Oh, nice. She was up there singing with this lovely voice. And I saw her and knew that she had to be mine. Right. I don't think it really happened exactly that way. I know it didn't happen that way. And they lived happily ever after. Exactly. (laughs) And that's where we'll leave that story tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's where he wants to leave that story tonight. (laughs) Anyways. Yeah. 20 years. So when is your wedding anniversary? Ours is uh, July 25th. Okay. And we're July or June 13th. So yeah. yeah. Very cool. You're in LA now. Yes. Mm-hmm. But you were traveling back and forth there for a while from our last conversation that we had. Tell us how you ended up out there. I was working at, at Crispin in Boulder. And so was David. And we, he, at that time, that place was crazy, sort of a factory. And everybody was just constantly on production, which was awesome when we had no kids. And then I was one of two women who were the only female creatives to ever get pregnant and have kids in the creative department there. 
Um, and we weirdly like got pregnant at the exact same time and like have babies five days apart. And we were on the same account. We were both on old Navy, uh, which was just a godsend to have somebody else going through that at the same time as you. Cause there wasn't a whole lot of sympathy <laughs> for it. Basically I had Bodie, who's my oldest. He's seven now, almost eight and would travel back and forth. And we actually, we stayed at the same hotel, the Oceana in Santa Monica. And I, we had a nanny <laughs> in Santa Monica. So I would be here for two months at a time working on a production or something like that. And we would just come and move in and that was our house and had like a little kitchenette in it and it kind of felt like your grandma's house in Cape Cod and so it was really homey but once he got to be 18 months or so we it was kind of we were just sort of over the travel and he needed to be in school you know we just wanted him to be a little bit more regular with his schedule and everything so we decided to move to LA and we'd always kind of wanted we actually when we moved to Colorado we had wanted to move to LA and we just sort of stopped halfway (laughs) Yeah, uh, David got a job here. I freelanced for a while and then eventually took a job and we sort of settled right in and we love it. Yeah. LA is like most people's dream city, especially in <laughs> creative fields. Or New York. Or New York, yes. But, you know, those uh, those bright lights of New York, but that siren's call of Hollywood and the beach. The beach. <laughs> the, beach is, the beach is nice. Yeah. <laughs> The weather. I can, yeah, I can never go back to winter, I don't think. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've been getting a little bit of a taste of it the last few mm-hmm. days, and I'm already ready for summer again. <laughs> <laughs> you book a trip here. <laughs> yes, that's what we need to do. We need to do that for sure. So you're doing some freelancing, but you also have Wanna Play. So tell us how Wanna Play came about. So Wanna Play is my sister-in-law and I have always been, and this is David's sister, Christine. She is just one of my closest friends and sisters. And she and I have always tossed around ideas. So we had like a little jewelry business when we both lived in Chicago like a million years ago. And we have always sort of had that entrepreneurial itch. And so a couple of things happened where we got, you know, kind of got onto this subject of making a game and because we both had children who were about in that kindergarten five, six age range at the time, the game, which started out as, I don't even know, (laughs) there have been a lot of iterations, started out somewhere, ended up in, uh, you know, we have this focus group right here, let's make a game for kids. And, you know, simultaneously, we had been reading a lot about play and about uh, how, you know, things like recess were being taken uh, out of schools. And there was you know, there were these schools in Finland where the kids just get to go out and get dirty and play until they're like 12 and then they learn something. It's a little bit of an exaggeration, but the idea of play being part of education was going away because of the Common Core. And so we, you know, got all passionate about that. And so we started developing this game called Silly Street. And it, you know, had, like I said, a lot of different iterations, but through the course, she, uh, Christine is more of the sort of she handles a lot of the business stuff and I handle a lot of the creative stuff. And she had some really great connections with some folks at a big retailer. And so the whole thing kind of snowballed into this, we're going to do a Kickstarter and we, you know, everything's like kind of, everything sort of happened really slowly for like a year and a half. And then it like happened so fast so that we um, developed a game, did the Kickstarter and then sort of, through that realized that this was a much bigger idea than just one game. And so at that point, that's when we sort of were like, okay, what's we need, we need 
a company, we need structure, we need the vision beyond the one little creation, you know, hole that we had been in for so long. And so Wanna Play came to be. And yeah, it's been uh, it's been a fun and interesting journey and a huge learning experience. I love that uh, you really focus on building character with Silly Street. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So, like I said, that we were, you know, at the at the time when we were developing the game, we had been reading a lot about play based learning, and how when play opportunities are taken out of school, and there's more of a focus on academics that those there are two sets of skills. You can have cognitive skills, which are like you're reading, you know, literacy and mathematics and that kind of thing, cognitive skills. And then non- non-cognitive skills are all of your character skills is what, how we talk about them. So confidence and bravery, empathy, grit, resilience, perseverance, optimism, those types of things. And so those types of things are built through play and through social emotional learning. So interacting with other people and testing things out in social situations. And so, you know, when those play opportunities are removed from schools, a lot of kids are struggling with this like fear of failure and lack of confidence. And we wanted to do something fun that wasn't too much educational, but that instilled some of those character skills in kids in a fun way. And and we're actually working with a lot of teachers and classrooms to get the game into school so that that function can be served in the classroom. So, I mean, it it seems to have done really well. It's won awards and everything. Congratulations on that. Thank you. And it was extremely fun to play, especially with our kids. How did you come up with all these different things to do? Oh, yeah, that was uh, so much brainstorming. (laughs) (laughs) So much brainstorming and even like asking the kids for ideas. Like, I mean, we tested out a million different things. And I mean, there were a, a lot of different nuances that went into the making of the game. So, for instance, the size of the board is huge. And that is because we had played Candyland a million times. And the board is little and those pieces are flimsy and like the kid knocks it over. And then all of a sudden everybody's arguing about where the spot was, <laughs> at the, you know. And so like that was one of the considerations in, in designing it. And so along the same lines, we wanted parents to not hate playing the game. So like, I don't know. I mean, I, I love playing with my kids. But when they pull out Candyland, I'm like, I totally feel you. (laughs) So we wanted to create kind of those just moments for parents to kind of laugh at the kids too and be entertained by them, (laughs) which, you know, we often are anyways. And then also to have kids see parents doing these like weird, wacky, silly things. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a kid seeing a parent sort of modeling no inhibitions is such a healthy, amazing thing for that kid because they can get over themselves or get over their shyness a little bit or, you know, those types of things. So anyway, all of the, all of the cards were, created to like specifically target character skills building, you know? So if we were feeling a little bit low on the empathy category, we'd brainstorm a bunch of ways that you might provoke empathy building in an interaction. I love it. And when we were playing Animal Act 2, because it's very much pulls out the performer in you a bit. (laughs) And I, I was thinking to myself how so much of the arts have been cut especially even from our kids' school, that my daughter, I remember when she was younger in elementary, she was so excited about being able to do choir while they had cut it by the time she was old enough to do choir. And all of the opportunities that I felt like I had as a young kid to perform and to get over stage fright and to 
feel that awkwardness of having to put myself in front of people and put myself out there. I loved this game because I thought this is actually mimicking a lot of those skills and helping them do that in this safe environment right here. Yeah. Like they don't have, they don't have the opportunities right now to build those in that way. You know, like I, I'm going to have to seek those out for them. And I hadn't even really thought about it that much because I was such a performer. Randy was too. He was in show choir and theater and, it's just interesting because sometimes we like these things just they do flybys. We don't even really see that our kids aren't getting that kind of development. Totally. Yeah. It's devastating. All of the, I mean, that the arts are the thing that it gets sucked out of budgets first. And yeah, so many parents are kind of put in a place that where they have to supplement that. And that's awesome if, you know, have the ability or whatever. But, you know, there are so many areas of the country that, you know, you have two working parents or you have single parent, you know, and it's so hard. It's so hard and it's so necessary to build those foundational elements because that's, that's what will get you through any obstacle throughout life. You know, you have mm-hmm. to be able to be resilient. You have to be able to be brave in certain situations. And if you don't have those skills, you're just, it's very, very unfortunate. Yeah. And I think a lot of the great thing about your, both of the games too, are that they are so specifically helping kids gain communication skills. And I think a lot of people don't understand where we live is a very conservative area. And there are a certain subset of people who would really fight for the arts. I would say that there are a lot of people who would, they would fight for sports way, 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 way more. (laughs) And it's probably true in most areas of the country. But people are easy to say, well, sports bring about this kind of character building and this kind of character building. And it's glossed over that the arts and these kind of performance abilities and the things that you laid out in your game, they, they build some of the same character skills and sometimes even more like to be able to get across a point that people wouldn't be able to understand and having to turn around and change the way that you're showing, trying to give clues because you're having to adapt because people aren't understanding. You know, I don't think that that's the kind of thing that you necessarily find on any of the sports fields or courts. Well, maybe not those exact same things. However, I feel like there are probably kids who are never going to be athletically inclined Mm -hmm. that still need this type of interactivity, you know, or activity. Totally. And we just don't get that it can happen through play like this. And that's what I love what you're doing Mm -hmm. and the way that you're talking about it, because it's not just like, let me give the kids a board game to take up their time and give them a little bit of fun. It's, It's like, let me give them a board game that secretly going to educate them <laughs> that's that's gonna that's going to build their character yeah. and and make them into more resilient and even more productive communicative people so yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, you just I like are completely making my day. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> you need to like come on our press tour. <laughs> sure. That's exactly exactly what we're going for. So I appreciate yeah, I appreciate that perspective on it. It's so it's it's so important. We wanted it to be fun too. So I, I like that's the other half of it is that this sort of thing can be worked into a classroom or into, a, you know, a school day or whatever and it feels like fun, but really it's secretly at work, you know, in the background. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was definitely fun. It was fun for our kids. They enjoyed it. Except for our three-year-old really didn't like it when he didn't win. <laughs> yeah. So it did teach him a little resilience. That's, that's, that's building character. character. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So let's talk a little bit about what is on the horizon for Wanna Play. What I know that you have 
lots of things in the works. So tell us some more. We do. Yeah, um, we have a whole bunch of things going on. We're very fortunate in that the way that we are developing our products that we can spread our creative wings. And so we are exploring some children's books, which I you mentioned before. And uh, we're working on an app right now, which should be out next year, which we're super excited about. And we have some toys in the works as well. So, and then there are, I mean, there are other things that are sort of on the periphery too, that are, I I wouldn't even call them the someday things, but the next up, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. the at bat things that we're working on. So we've developed some ideas for an apparel line and for even sort of like an interactive experiential experience, I guess. The fun thing about this construct of building character through play is you can apply that to absolutely anything in the entire world. I mean, you could even apply it to to adults who also need to play. Which is what I was about to ask. (laughs) If you're delving into the world of adults... (laughs) (laughs) we're not going there probably not there but you could and certainly i mean certainly we have taken into consideration grown-ups when we've developed things you know just trying to be inspired by pixar and plant those little things that only an adult would get or you know that might make somebody chuckle yeah which i which makes me want to just kind of hop back a little bit and say kudos to you because i love the look of the games too and i know that you did all of the illustration and, yes, and designing it. And it's the really fun. Yeah, I was going to make sure we jump back to that because it is beautiful for one. Thank you. I mean, it's a work <laughs> of art, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everything from in, in Silly Street, the way the board puts together like a big puzzle and the die is, is this wooden, like substantial piece of toy. You know, I mean, it spoke to us as people who really appreciate aesthetics and good design. And also like our kids were loving finding things on the board because certain cards told them to find something on the board and our kids left it and they interacted with it really well. So I honestly, I'm not blowing smoke when I'm talking about this <laughs> listeners. I'm telling you, these are really great games that we really enjoyed as a family and our kids love too. If you appreciate great Thank design, you, you didn't you just need to get it for the design. It's, it's a, <laughs> It really is a work of art in and of itself. So, Oh my gosh. I so appreciate that. Thank yeah. you so much. And the children's books, you're writing and illustrating those as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Christine and I both are taking a stab at writing them, and then I illustrate everything. And that has been super fun and humbling <laughs> in a major way. It is hard to write a really good children's book, but it is it is so satisfying when you read a story that you've written to someone and that you've labored over and put all of your heart into, and you get a you know like a chuckle or an understanding, you know, or even like a, like a little sparkle in the eyes, you know, watch for those things. And it's like just the best feeling in the world. So yeah, hopefully we will get these out into the world in some way soon. We can't wait to have them in our hands for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> so are you still with an agency or are you just with Wanna Play? Oh no, just Wanna Play. Mm-hmm. So yep. do you miss the agency at all or are you like good riddance? <laughs> it's interesting. When I left, I was part of this, uh, I was working on Target at the time and I had this amazing boss and an amazing, an amazing team of people. But my boss and my partner were, they're really special people. 
and were so supportive of me and of doing this and, and sort of like, let me fly the coop on a whim almost one day to do this Kickstarter video. And I thought, you know, at that time I was like, you know, blowing kisses as I left, but I was like, so, you know, so psyched to like go run off and do this thing and then cut to several months later. And I like working by myself at night, like in my little cave and I'm, you know, hunched over and like alone. And, <laughs> it, and I, I do, I miss the camaraderie of being in the trenches on a project with a team for a period of time and like coming out of it with this tangible thing that everybody can kind of gaze at together. I do miss, there are definitely, definitely things I miss about it, but in it, but I would say it's mostly team based and less workload based. <laughs> yeah. I can certainly figure out lots of other ways to be creative. <laughs> well, and I, I ask that because a lot of the people that we've had on the podcast, I seem to be like the only corporate person. Everybody else has <laughs> flown the coop and said good riddance and said, that's not the lifestyle for me. And I don't want to be a part of that. And, or, you know, I don't want the, the man to have their thumb on me. I want to be this free creative spirit. And, yeah. you know, I felt like I've always, to some degree, defended it and, and understood at the same time. But it's interesting to, to hear somebody else who's left and at least had a good feeling about it as opposed to, no, I can't. I'm so glad that I'm gone. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I, that was an education for me being in advertising. And I have, couldn't have done anything that I've done with Want to Play without that you know, that is a foundation. So I'm like, very grateful for that experience. And, and yeah, I, I miss being there. And also, I do appreciate the like, creative freedoms of running your own company. Oh, sure. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about being a mom and a creative doing your own thing, and having this successful long marriage. So what is it like for you living as a creative and raising kids? Are you Working in the fringe hours, are you, are both your kids in school now? Uh, yes. Tell us what life looks like, just the juggle of it all for you. It's a total juggle to the point of whack-a-mole sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, the, the needs ebb and flow for all involved, whether it's the company or the family, kids. One of the reasons among many that I wanted to have my own creative outlet was to be around more. And I think I told you this in our previous conversation, Missy, that I would be like white knuckling it to get to the kids by 5.59. And it was just like this horrible panic, stressful feeling. And my kids were often the last kid there, which is like the saddest place in the entire world at their, you know, at their school or whatever. And so balance was 100% in the pile of considerations for going it alone. But I think it, it, I work out of my house often. Sometimes I'll go and sit at a coffee shop or something, but for the most part, I'm working here because I have things like just spread out all over the place and tacked to the wall and taped to things. And I think it's fun for my kids to see that. Ryder's so little that he's just like wants to draw on my illustrations, which is a little <laughs> annoying. <laughs> How old is Ryder? He's uh, two and a half. But Bodhi will come in and draw with me sometimes. Like I have a couple of drawings that we did side by side where he was kind of copying what I was doing. And it just makes my heart burst to see him just being interested in something that I'm doing. And he's like, I mean, for seven, he's so supportive of it and so positive and and he'll field all my questions and all my, you know, like my focus grouping <laughs> of him. And so, yeah, it's a juggle, but it's also been super fun kind of do both at the same time. You know, it feels, it makes it feel less 
like work doesn't seem like an ad- adequate term for it. You know, it feels more like play. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's still a lot of trying. I hate the word balance because I don't think there's any way, no matter how you're working or who you're working for, there's no way to make everything equal in your life. You just you just can't do that. You cannot equalize every part of your life. So for me, I really prefer to say the blend because mm-hmm. because that can ebb and flow, just like what you're talking about. When something needs a little more attention for this period of time, the blend may be heavy with work or maybe heavy with play with your kids or whatever. And so I think that the, the cool thing about being able to carve out your own path is that you really get to be the master chef. You get you get to make sure that that blend is, is pleasing to you. Yes. Like Randy, I think, how do you feel like with what you do as far as juggling it all? Because you're definitely hands on with the kids. You're not letting me handle it all because I'm home. Do you feel like you have to struggle with that or do you feel like you have a good blend? I feel like I have a good wife. Oh, that's a perfect response. I love it. (laughs) It's definitely, you know, women have always been, had more pressure on them to have work-life balance. Mm -hmm. And these days it's definitely, there are more men who want to be involved and are trying to be involved. Absolutely. And I think to what you're speaking about, as far as people who want to not be in that corporate thing, a lot of it is because they're wanting to take back control of, their lives and having it be more of that pleasing blend to them. Yeah, I can understand that. I feel like I'm at a unique position because I am the creative director. I am a vice president of the particular company that I'm at. And so and it's I pretty family friendly. It's very so family friendly. You probably friendly. have a little more control over. I, yeah. I've, yeah. I have a lot of control over when I go to work and what time I get there and what time I leave. And if I want to leave in the middle of the day and go do something and come back, I, I can do that. I mean, and it is very family friendly because we have uh, art directors who bring their kids up who spend three hours of the day with us. And then we have other, you know, media people who bring their babies up and maybe they'll be there that whole day or, you know, it's just very friendly. We've got dogs all the time, which I'm not a dog person, (laughs) but there's like 10 dogs that have been coming to our business. It's uh, so great. But that's, I mean, that, I mean, that, that makes for a just happy employee, you know? You know, I feel like I have probably a unique situation compared to some other people. Yeah. Uh, So I am able to be a part and and go and do. Yeah. But you still have the weeks where it's super heavy on work. There's an RFP or something going on and you're there till way late at night. So that's kind of that whole ebb and flow of, and you just kind of pick up the pace. There's just no way to make it equal. But yes, I definitely identify with the whack-a-mole thing. <laughs> For sure. So yeah. your husband, he's at an he's he's still at, at an agency? No, he um he's freelance now. His agency just sold. So he was working for a company or he was a partner in a company called Supermoon. And yeah, this whole summer he's been freelancing and so have you been working so he, side by side again? He's around. Yep. He's around. <laughs> he's around. That was, that was a pretty big life change. I'm, I'm sure he's going to like love hearing me say that. <laughs> <laughs> I was alone in my house. You know, I could like make a mess and leave it there until I was ready to pick it up before everybody came home. Now we have to like find a little bit more balance and how we work and who takes up what space in the house and, and everything. So, but so yeah. As yeah. a creative director, did he try to creative direct your projects or does he help try to help you or do you try to help him as a creative director that you are? <laughs> we definitely go to each other for advice and counsel. Our 
sort of creative personas, if you want to call it that, are so different that the only time that we've really sort of like butted heads in terms of creative direction was when we redid our house. (laughs) And we both, you know, that was a a mutual, very, very mutual project that we had very strong opinions about. But no, I will show him things all the time and get advice and just show him something, watch his reaction and know what to do (laughs) based (laughs) on just like how he reacts to something. And yeah, we bounce ideas off each other all the time. And we have a pretty healthy, creative, conciliary (laughs) relationship with each other. That's great. That wasn't actually the question I was going to ask. It's not what I thought you were going to ask. Because you (laughs) talked about, you know, being able to spread yourself out. Like who is the who is the really tidy one or are are either of you? <laughs> no, he is. He is borderline a little crazy about it. But yes, it, yeah. <laughs> Same with Randy. Like mm-hmm. he cannot sit down at night unless everything is in its place. Everything. It could have yes. It could have yes. dust an inch thick on it. But <laughs> you and David would have a really good conversation, I'm sure, about a lot of things. Yeah, I don't leave my office at work without cleaning everything up so that whenever I get there the next day, it looks nice. You know, it feels nice. You know? <laughs> I like explode in colors and materials all over the place everywhere I go. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's nice, though, because he helps keep everything looking nice. It's definitely nice. To oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Like we'd need each other, I think, you know, for, <laughs> for balance again. <laughs> yeah. So what do people wish they could do like you? I I love this question. One like really quick answer to that would be whistle. I can whistle really loud. Really? Um, Yeah. Like a, like a dude. Yeah. I can. And David can't, which like just bugs the bejesus out of him, I think. If I I was to give a more serious answer to that, I think I'm really resourceful. And sort of immediately so, like I almost, <laughs> almost do a fall. I'm constantly, I need to constantly be making things or, you know, finding solutions to things. And so like, I feel like I would have made a really good prop stylist too. I can like kind of grab weird random things and make them work in different situations. That's really resourceful. That's a good quality to have. Absolutely. <laughs> so life is really messy and it can also be mundane sometimes, even if it's busy and chaotic, it can feel mundane. So we like to ask our guests if there's any special ways that you romance the ordinary. Again, I'm going to give almost the same answer as I just did, but I love to make things. And a lot of times if I'm like stuck on something or if (laughs) even if I'm like running 50 minutes late, but inspired, I'll like do a little painting and stick it in a lunchbox. Or I'll the other day I was doing this project for Long story short, I work with 826. Do you know what 826 is? No. Huh. Okay. I'll tell you more about it in a second. But I was doing this woodworking project and had these random pieces of wood that were the kind of throwaway pieces from what I was cutting out. But they looked like waves. And so I made them into like these wooden waves and now they're sitting on our shelf. Oh, but it was cool. like so unnecessary to do it. But, you know, <laughs> but also now I'm like, you know, we look at that and it's fun. And my, my husband's a big surfer and so is my son. And so we like to have ocean things around. Anyways, little thing. Cool. I like to have ocean things around and we live in Oklahoma. None of us are surfers. <laughs> in fact, we created, we brand our children <laughs> when we have our children. <laughs> it's hilarious. Not with the hot iron. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, but like agency people do. It started with Lola. You know, we wanted to do this vintage circus kind of theme for her room. So we decided to make her this really cool poster, Cirque de Lola. And so the next one came around. Actually, my nephew, we had to do a poster for. And 
And then Zeph was Zeph Records. And then when Avon came around, we knew we wanted to do this Boys of Summer kind of theme because the boys share room. And I mean, he has like the only surfboard company in Oklahoma City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Avon surfboards yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so, so cool. yeah it's so funny yes we, we wish we were a family of surfers <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well come on out we'll take you out although it's kind of brutal out here I don't know I get like bludgeoned every time I try attempt to go surf it's fun to watch <laughs> yeah maybe maybe we can sit on the beach and, and watch yeah. <laughs> so my next question for you is when do you feel most glorious but before I mm-hmm. ask that it seems like you do everything. Like you're an illustrator, a photographer, a sculptor, a creative director, an advertising guru. Uh, what don't you do? <laughs> I, I don't clean up well. <laughs> yeah, no, I do. I, yeah, I just, you know, I don't think of, I don't have a medium. You know what I mean? I think I, I just see potential in anything would probably to the annoyance of David, because I will bring stuff home from flea markets that I have like, you know, this thing looks kind of like a, I found a rock that looks like the nose of Kurt Vonnegut and I can't throw it away because it looks like Kurt Vonnegut's nose. It's amazing. <laughs> you know? So I, I have to sort of temper my hoarding um, <laughs> instincts. But yeah, I like to do a lot of things. And I just like to make things. So quite frankly, you know, I, I can't say no to uh, a project that involves me just make making something, you know, mm-hmm. makers going to make. Yeah. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so in the midst of all you're making, when do you feel the most glorious? Yeah. I mean, like when you get into, I know this is probably a standard a- uh, answer on your show, but when you get into that flow, when you have enough time, the perfect situation is like a nice, good four hour chunk by yourself with nobody around and whatever music you want on and you get through the first hour of just total crap and then you get into that place where you're making something that is actually getting somewhere you know it's yeah. that transition moment where you're like getting over all of that stuff that's been stopping you up for so long and you get into it's a little breakthrough mm. that is like the best, <laughs> the best feeling in terms of creativity. I know that feeling. For sure. <laughs> what is the best piece of advice you could give your younger self? I could give a lot of advice to my younger <laughs> self. One thing I would say is don't worry about money early mm-hmm. on. I've heard this, this is not original, and I can't remember the name of the, the guy who I heard say this, but the first part of your career, you should consider an education and not worry about money. The second part of your career is the financial gain. And then the third part of your career is giving back. If you were to divide it into three chapters like that, and that that was one thing I was always kind of worried about have, making a living rather than probably didn't take as many risks as I wanted to early on. I still ended up in a fine place and I don't regret any of those decisions, but that would, it would be interesting to see how things turned out had I been a little bit riskier with my career. I really love, I I love that philosophy because I think it does give you room to explore I think, and not play it so safe. Totally. I love that. I think nowadays with the, the gig culture that there is probably less of that because you can do two things at one time. Whereas before, I don't know, like a while ago, it just seems like you had your career, you know, we were coming off of our parents who had had careers for 45 years at the same company and the gold watch and all that. And things are so different now. That's a good and positive change, I think, in terms of careership. Yeah, I think our generation was very much brought up to go get that four-year plus degree and find your one thing that you're going to do. 
And that really messed me up because I did not fit that very well. (laughs) Same. I feel the same way. Yeah. (laughs) What is your favorite smell? I love plumeria. Mm. There is one particular tree that I just ran past this evening that is in bloom right now. And it just, I mean, it's just like intoxicating. It smells so amazing. It reminds me of here. It reminds me of trips because growing up in the Midwest, the only time I would ever smell something like that, like the real flower is not the the lotion version of it, Mm -hmm. you know, in a tropical place somewhere. So it just is escape and exploration and adventure all in one little smell. This is one of my favorite questions, really. (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) If you had a personal anthem or theme song, what would it be? I loved this question too. I think I've decided on Never Going Back by Fleetwood Mac. It's light, but it's also like stake in the ground, you know? The tone of it is, it's so beautiful and I could listen to it a hundred times in a row. Just you have to keep like aiming for who your next version of yourself is. And that song says that to me. (laughs) Cool. Which is a great segue into the next question, which Mm. is when you imagine your later life Mm. or your future self, what impresses you about yourself? Um, how chill I've become. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I just every year's worth of experience that you gain uh, does so much for your ability to relax in new situations. I know I have so much more confidence now in who I am as a creative and who I am just as a human that it's noticeable to me how I, how differently I handle situations now from 10 years ago, even five years ago. So yeah, (laughs) I hope I'm more chill. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I hope life is more chilling than the way our kids are right now, (laughs) which is very frantic that will yeah that comes into play too (laughs) (laughs) so we always end the show with our ritual which is where we give a shout out to people who are kind of rocking our worlds either creatively or that are inspiring us in some way or just simply helping us to revel in life more so we would love to give you the opportunity to shout out someone who's doing that for you yes i would have to say mac primo do you know him or his work he is a i think a self-described maker maker of uh, stuff stuff maker he's a director and artist and um, i recently a couple weeks ago saw a one-man play that he performed uh, in venice and he's just super creative i actually worked with him uh, many years ago on a couple of target commercials and he's just a super super creative guy and also the thing that i think inspires me most about him is that he is not like you know married to one medium or one uh, form of expression and kind of can like just sort of put his voice out there in so, in so many different ways and expressions check him out he's really good i <laughs> love that Definitely. and what that does for me right there is makes me want to ask you Obviously, we've talked about all the different ways you like to be creative and express yourself. And you have a lot going on with Wanna Play. I know that you do some freelance work because you still love to do creative direction. And obviously, you're still in demand. (laughs) (laughs) And But it makes me want to ask you, what is that thing that you haven't tapped into that that you still think, oh, I'd love to tap into that? Oh, my gosh. Uh, There are many, I would have to say. 
yeah, I, I have played around a little bit with film, you know, stop, a lot of stop motion and that kind of thing. I would love to, you know, with the, the development of stories, you know, that was a, a muscle I hadn't flexed since I was really little to how to tell a story and how to create a story arc and create characters that you can emotionally connect to and that kind of thing. That was a huge, you know, sort of relearning experience. And I would love to get into that more. You know, a lot of what I do is just is very visually based. And so, you know, I, I want to kind of create more characters that you can connect with that have these deeper stories. And so that's probably where I'm headed next. <laughs> well, I can see all of Silly Street and Animal Act, all the characters that you developed in that, the whole board <laughs> being stop motion. It would be wonderful. Oh, it would be so fun. And it would take <laughs> me a million years to do that. But <laughs> yeah. You have a husband. Yeah. <laughs> who, who knows these things as well? <laughs> Going to keep building that team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> who would you like to shout out, Randy? You know, I'm going to do something different. I usually don't do this and I don't know why, but I rarely shout out somebody that's within a hundred miles of me. It's usually somebody that I don't know, never met. I just admire their work and they're all over the country or the world. But I'm going to shout out somebody right here at home who I work with all the time. I probably take him for granted, not in a, in a bad way. I just, because I'm always shouting out all, all these other people that I don't, you know, take a look around and say, Hey, that's somebody I want to shout out, but I'm doing it that this week. So I'm shouting out my director of photography. He's got a company called Resolute Visuals. His name is David Callahan. And uh, we spent the last week together. We did some wonderful work together. We've won an Emmy together. He inspires me. He keeps me moving forward and doing great work. So I want to shout out to him. Dave's an awesome Congratulations. guy. Congratulations. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and Dave is an amazing guy. And I think I might want to interpret a little bit for you. I think that you, well, just because I think it kind of sounded weird, like, like you take him for granted. I think what you do is you take for granted people that you already know and you're shouting out people that feel like new discoveries for you. Exactly. So. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> I don't know. But if you that's put what it, you said. You put it much more eloquent than me. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, it's okay, whatever. I know. <laughs> hey, I didn't say I was a copywriter. I'm just trying to help you be understood, babe. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. I need you. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy <laughs> is there anybody you would like to shout out <laughs> far or near far or near <laughs> um, yes <laughs> I <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad she's laughing <laughs> you just sound exactly like me and my husband it's funny <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. I can't stop laughing. It's fine. I want to give a shout out to Joey Vitale of Indie Law. I actually recently met Joey when I went to Venture Pop in New Orleans. And he's a lawyer. And he has actually repositioned his law practice to help creative entrepreneurs. And he's hilarious and fun and kind and has the warmest heart. And he has created a community on Facebook where he shares so much knowledge. He just 
gives it all away. He, you know, talking about contracts and copyright and all of the things that we stress over or sometimes even avoid as creative entrepreneurs. He also has, obviously he's a lawyer, so he practices and he has a really cool way of offering creatives his services. And it's kind of like a subscription based model, but he has a show on Facebook that he does live and he brings on all these guests. He's just a wealth of information and a really cool guy. Actually, I want to have him on the show. So Joey, I know you're going to listen to this when I shout you out and tag you. So come on the show, please. <laughs> so, yeah, and that's Joey Vitale with Indie Law. You're much better at shouting out people than I am. <laughs> <laughs> much more eloquent. Thanks, babe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Megan, it has been so great to have you on. I think you're super cool, and, like, I want to be your BFF now. So... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. And you guys are just so delightful. I loved it. <laughs> we should do this again just for fun. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll have to bring David in the mix next time. <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> uh, yeah. And if you guys ever make it to Oklahoma, <laughs> come see Stop us. Stop on by. We can take you kite surfing. <laughs> yeah. Kite surfing sounds awesome. Yeah, that's, about, that's about the only surfing you're going to get to do in Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't say we could go with you. We just said we could oh. take you to the well, place. Well, I'm just going to watch from the sidelines anyway. She was so like. Yeah, I guess you could do some internet surfing. <laughs> oh, okay. True. That's a good one. <laughs> Megan, we really, really love Silly Street Animal Act. Tell our listeners the best way to get those games. Best way would be to go to Target. Uh, they're they're on the shelves at Target, or you can get them online at Amazon. Yes, and we will put links to both of those in the show notes and to all of Megan's social media accounts, and you can follow her kind of portfolio and your art, right? Mm -hmm. I just yeah. discovered that this week. Yeah, um, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> and also Silly Street, you can follow them because there's really great stuff there. Thanks again so much for coming on, Megan. It was a blast. Thank yes. you so much. This Thank was you. so fun. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to We Are The Revelers. You can listen to more of our episodes exploring how to celebrate the creative spirit, romance the ordinary, and revel in all life's messy glory by subscribing on iTunes or SoundCloud. Don't miss our exclusive guide of 25 ways to revel more and regret less by signing up for new episode releases and bits and pieces of revelry in your inbox. We're calling it confetti because newsletters are oh so boring. There's a nifty little box right at the top of our website, wearetherevelers.com. We're excited to hear from you, so please give us a shout out on social media. Until then, revel on.